Welcome to Now Charleston. I'm Sam Spence. It's Monday, June 13th. Now Charleston takes a look at a handful of issues three times a week and tells you why they're important. Hope you had a good weekend. Let's get right into the headlines. Got a quick recap of Friday's gubernatorial debate. A final look at early voting numbers and race updates in Charleston and statewide. What you need to vote on Tuesday. North Charleston will soon set up a controversial network of surveillance cameras in an effort to root out violence. U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham is one of a handful of Republicans in Washington to join a bipartisan push for gun reform out of the U.S. Senate. Those stories and more, starting now. That long-awaited Democratic debate between the candidates for governor was on Friday. I'm sure you carved out time at 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon to watch, right? I know. Uh, They went from, like, no debate to one on public TV at 5 p.m. on a Friday, so... Not sure which makes less sense. Anyway, you can still watch it on YouTube if you want. Uh, links at nowcharleston.com if you want to take a look. But I watched it over the weekend, and I gotta say, I um, I kind of see why none of these folks really pushed for a debate until the last second. None of them were really that good, honestly. Um, first of all, the format of these things is so old school that it's a little tough to watch. Um, but they were all there with the same circumstances, and there was still plenty of stumbling, repeating, and mostly just in the can press lines for most of the candidates. Um, of the main two, Senator Mee McLeod stressed that she was the only candidate who currently is an elected official. Um, she's a state senator from the Columbia area. And she talked about bills she'd passed as a senator, uh, and she's one of the more progressive members of the state house, much less the, the Senate. Former Congressman Joe Cunningham stressed bipartisanship, along with McLeod, um, talking about his time in Congress and did a decent job of connecting the issues, I think, to... Uh, what he's heard, what he says he's heard from people on the campaign trail. I got to say that another one of these debates really could have dug more into the issues that these candidates could get into instead of just the basics, you know, economy, education, etc. Would have gotten those out of the way this time and then gotten into the real debate the next time, the next debate, if there was a second. Um, Especially would have liked to have heard more from Senator McLeod. You could see that she was kind of loosening up as the debate went on. while, you know, Cunningham has been doing this for a while and is kind of a pro. Uh, More debates, I really think, could help people make a more informed decision about who they vote for. The campaigns and the state parties are the ones that decide whether these debates happen. So, you know, going forward, I think that that's something that we as voters really need to push for them to uh, put these candidates out there and, uh, and let the voters decide. No major movement in the first district race over the weekend, but former uh, Governor Nikki Haley did crisscross the first district with Congresswoman Nancy Mace as part of last minute campaigning in that primary. Mace faces state rep uh, Mace faces former state rep Katie Arrington, who has the backing of Donald Trump. Um, though it's unclear how Trump's endorsement will really help the former state rep uh, in the first, um, Trump tweeted uh, some support for Arrington on Saturday. Uh, but that's about the extent of his last minute campaigning for her on his side. Um, Trump also endorsed in South Carolina representative Russell Fry over incumbent Congressman Tom Rice, one of 10 Republicans who voted to impeach the former president. Uh, Rice hasn't really run from that vote and Tuesday's primary is not about much else. So we'll really see where Republican loyalists stand on Tuesday. Rice, I should point out, is the first of the 10 Republicans nationwide who voted to impeach to appear on a primary ballot. Election day is Tuesday, and more than 91,000 people have already voted 
in this week's midterm primary elections. That's almost 80,000 early votes, not counting Friday's totals, which aren't available quite yet, um, plus more than 12,000 absentee votes, according to the State Election Commission. Statewide, the 79,000 early votes uh, is about half of the number of absentee ballots cast during the 2020 primaries. That's the presidential primary, when South Carolina had national media attention um, on it. This year, though, the highest profile races are those two public congressional primaries. Not much going on statewide. There's a crowded state superintendent race, but it hasn't really gotten much attention, and none of the candidates are really uh, trying to make a big splash with their campaigns, it doesn't seem like. Who would have thought you give more people... Who would have thought you give people an easier way to vote and they'll do it? Look for even higher early voting numbers in elections to come. And just a reminder, polls are open on Tuesday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. statewide to find your voting location, see a sample ballot, see exactly who you're going to be voting for on Tuesday. Just visit scvotes.org. These are party primaries, but remember, you don't need to be registered to vote for a particular party uh, in South Carolina. There's no party registration in South Carolina. So you just bring your photo ID and declare which election you'll be voting for when you get to your polling place. 745. That's the number of cameras the city of North Charleston approved to be put up in its budget last week. uh, Approved unanimously uh, amid some controversy, though. Included in that $137 million budget is $2.5 million for, for those cameras and what they're calling a new joint operations center. It's a way for police to be able to monitor those cameras and other recording devices throughout the city. In addition to those 745 cameras, the city approved about 34 other license plate readers that will scan and catalog cars as they come and go through North Charleston. The cameras came in direct response to a shootout near a kid's ball field in North Charleston that was heard uh, on a video that showed kids kids and parents running for cover up there off of Ashley Phosphate Road. The meeting last week included residents who spoke out against the cameras as a method of mass surveillance, and then loved ones of people who were affected by gun violence who described how cameras helped or could have helped prevent or deter crimes that affected them. The proposal is modeled after similar measures in Charlotte and Myrtle Beach, um, not all of which, though, proved to have a measurable impact on deterring crime. Groups like the American Civil Liberties Union and the Electronic Frontier Foundation have spoken out about the risks of widespread surveillance programs like this, emphasizing the importance of policies and procedures to govern and control the use cases and the data that they collect uh, from these devices. Not much of that was discussed by council or committees at all, but the limited public talk about the proposal. From both sides, though, council heard pleas, one, one, for any action to curb gun violence. We heard from families of those killed or affected by gun violence who are desperate for anything. So yeah, a system of surveillance might sound good. You can't really argue with that or with their experience. But you also heard too from residents concerned with more money being spent to throw at a solution that could be misused in a diverse city where police policies have been found to be discriminatory. So in any case, the Public input came from both sides on this after North Charleston City Council unanimously approved the budget. So there wasn't even really much of a decision for local leaders to make in light of the statements for or against the new Joint Operations Center. Senators in Washington may have a compromise on gun safety laws in the aftermath of mass shootings across the country. 
U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham is among a bipartisan group of senators who said they do support the limited compromise that would uh, that focuses on enhanced background checks for people under the age of 21, funding for school mental health and school safety, and grants for so-called red flag laws in states that allow states to see, to seize guns from people who are deemed to be a threat. The measure is not the sweeping proposal that Democrats proposed, and it's a pretty limited to affecting cases of young people with mental health challenges. Democrats proposed raising the age for buying assault-style weapons and expanding background checks generally. One kind of perspective on this is that while the compromise is the first Republican-supported gun safety measure in a long time, it does let Congress say they did something on guns, even if it is very limited. As the Times and Axios pointed out, none of the 10 Republicans, including Lindsey Graham, who support the measure are running for re-election this year, and four of them are retiring. And that includes U.S. Senator Tim Scott, whose name is not on this list. That's all I've got for you today. If you have feedback for the show, you can leave a voice message at 843-474-1319 or email sam at nowcharleston.com. If you can rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now, that's a big help too. And as always, check nowcharleston.com for links and notes from today's show. To make sure you don't miss anything, follow twitter.com slash nowcharleston and instagram.com slash nowcharleston. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back on Wednesday with the next Now Charleston.